Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is March 28th, 2023. We continue our series, Words for Life, and today's word is elevated. And I hope that you are prepared to have your life elevated today. So let's begin with our questions. What are parts of our lives which are crooked, broken, or ruined and in need of redemption? How would our lives be different if we allowed the Spirit of God control? Or better yet, how is God affecting our lives today? You know, the Spirit of God is on a mission to give life to that which has no life. God wants to return significance and purpose to that which has been ruined and destroyed. Yes, many of you may feel like your life is ruined and destroyed, but God wants to elevate you. He wants you to understand that there is a significance and a purpose to your life. And it's the power of God that can redeem the broken. Many times we say God can redeem the brokenhearted, but he can redeem that which is broken. Today, I want you to imagine what that broken thing of your life is and what it could become, or maybe who you might become, under the redemption and the power of God. I want to pray for us. Father, I just ask that you would begin to speak to us, even now, through your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's get to it. We're going to look at our three scripture passages, and we're going to begin with Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. It says, The hand of the Lord came upon me, and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of a valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. And again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you, and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, prophesy to the breath, Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, 
Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and have performed it, says the Lord. Now, this passage covers a prophecy in Ezekiel, been called the prophecy of dry bones, and it's been very well preached and taught the last 15 years, and I don't want to rehash such teachings. I'm, I'm here to speak prophetically to us, but I want us to look at this vision. It, it takes place after the fall of Jerusalem. The people of Israel, they've been carried off into exile. Jeremiah has been prophesying for a while that this is going to happen, and, and it has. And the people, they they were without hope. It is all coming to pass. There is no hope. And they were they felt like dead men. There's no future. And you see this in this passage because Ezekiel begins prophesying. And notice that when he does this, there's no hope in this. In verse 11, the people respond to Ezekiel saying, our bones are dry. Our hope is lost. We ourselves are cut off. He's, it's that feeling. And they have been brought to this because of the result of their disobedience. It's sin and disobedience that has brought them to this point of ruin that they have no hope. Their nation is gone. And of course, at the end, when you have the, the dry bones and he prophesies the word of the Lord and the the, the, the bones are dry. I mean, for a bone to be dry, it's been dead a long time. All the 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 flesh, the moist, it's all gone. It's just a, a hollow old dry bone. And when he prophesies, they, they come together and sinews and flesh and muscle and all that comes back upon them and then God breathes life into them and they all stand up and, and they live. And then it says at the end that this prophecy, this vision, is for God's people the people of Israel, that they feel this way. They feel like their life has been ruined and destroyed now. And yet God says that he's going to bring them back. He will bring them back. The Spirit of God will fall upon them. And when their Spirit of God is, there is hope. Now we're going to start with this because we're talking about elevated. God wants to elevate us. He wants to redeem and elevate you because our lives are broken we think, I've done something so bad and it's rent, and there's no hope. What can I do about this? What can what can I do about this? My life is ruined. So with this, let's look at our second scripture passage, Romans 8, 1 through 11. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life is, in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. 
For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but if the Spirit of life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Now, this is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing, and he's really contrasting the difference between a life controlled by sin, by the flesh, by death, and the life controlled by the Spirit. And we see that. He talks about the, that sin nature or living by our flesh. Uh, there's death. There's hostility to God that we can't submit. We don't submit to God, nor we can't submit to God. It's just not there. That ability isn't there. We cannot please God. But life in the Spirit, there's there's life and peace. We're alive. There's the, the, the power to live life has been given to us. We have a new nature that comes upon us. And I know that there's a lot of theological things we could discuss in here. I... I I read this because it's part of our lectionary reading, but I also want us to see that it, the, the main emphasis is this idea of a spirit-controlled life. It's a gift from God. It's given by grace through faith, and it's embraced daily in choosing to follow the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. If we want to be elevated from a life of ruin and brokenness, we must live by the Spirit. We must follow the Spirit we must submit. We must come to this point of saying, God, you know, I've tried. I've tried things my way. And 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 what I've done is led to this valley of dry bones. I, I've done things that have, have destroyed me, ruined me, broken me. And we don't have to continue to live in that death because Jesus Christ has, has paid the debt. And Romans gets into that. I, I don't want to get into the, the whole theology uh, I'm speaking to you as a believer that you know salvation. You know about giving your life and believing in Jesus. I don't want to rehash that, but we don't want to be, as it says, carnally minded. That means we think in our flesh, we think like the world thinks, because it, it leads to death. It leads to ruin, and God doesn't want us in ruin. He wants to speak to us. And so with that, we're going to read our last scripture passage. And it is extremely long uh, for a reading in a podcast like this. I ask you to please bear with me. It is John chapter 11, verses 1 through 53. Yes, that is 53 verses. And that is a, quitty, that is a 
large reading for such a small podcast. So hang with me. Let's get to the end and let's have the Lord speak to us. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister, sister Martha. It was that Mary who had anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he had heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. Are you going there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But he who walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go also, that we may die with him. Then Jesus came, and he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha had met him. Then the Jews, who were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, they followed her, saying, She is surely going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. 
It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me, and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I say this, that they may believe that you sent me. And now when he had said these things, he cried in a loud, in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot, with great clothes, and his face wrapped with cloth. And Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them, Caiaphas, being a priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, not for, not that the whole nation should perish. Now this he did not say on his own authority, but being a high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. Then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. You know, this is a passage where Jesus clearly displaces power over life and death. But I want us to try to look beyond this. Our word is elevated. That God wants to elevate us from a life of brokenness, of ruin, or something that's that's dead. We look at the prophecy of Ezekiel, with the dry bones, something that's dead and you have no hope. And yet the word of God, the spirit of God, can put back something that's impossible and bring life to it. And here, we're going to look at Lazarus. And God's going to speak to us through this. You see, Lazarus had been dead for days. After three days, and going to the fourth day, you begin to decompose. Bodies decompose. You know, Jesus had raised up some people from the dead at this point, but they were freshly dead. I mean, they had, they had, they had not been dead for days. They had been dead for hours. You know, Jesus was on his way to healed Jairus' daughter when they said, don't bother the teacher, she's already dead. He got there hours later. Um, there, there, were, there were other examples. They were, they, were, they were freshly dead. This example, Lazarus been dead four days and was already decomposing. And see, in the Jewish mind, maybe if you were just a little dead, God could bring you back. But at this point, his flesh is decomposing. He stinks. He's rotting. If Jesus brings him back from the dead, he's going to be a rotting, stinking corpse. So they didn't believe it. And and I, and I share that because sometimes we think there's things that we've done that you and I do that we're so broken, it's so dead, and it's been there for so long that we think that even if God could bring it back, it wouldn't be the same. It's, it, it's too far 
gone for the Lord. See, this this story is for is for us that God can He can bring things back. And in dealing with that, with you and I, I also want us to deal with a little a little religious spirit. What what religion does? Because here we see Jesus. He's going. He's going there. He delayed so that Lazarus would die, so that God would display His glory. This was the plan. No one understood it, but he, but he did. And as he's coming there, who is it that runs out to him first? It's Martha. If we remember the story, Mary and Martha, and Martha's doing all the work, and Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and we always praise Mary. She chose the best thing. She sat at the feet of Jesus, and, and Martha's just such a busybody. She's so worried, and she's so working, 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 doing, doing, doing. And yet here, at the moment her brother is dead and in grief, the minute she hears that Jesus is coming and he's outside, she runs to meet him. See, sometimes we think about Martha and her work that we forget that it was Martha that ran to meet him, not Mary. She ran out to meet him. And she came to him. And that's what that's what the Lord wants. He wants us to, to come to him in our moments. And, and Martha runs to him. It almost reminds me of the prodigal son. I know that's the father that comes running out to meet him. But here, Martha runs out to meet him. This is a good thing. She loves Jesus. But she's grieving the loss of Lazarus. And Jesus sees her. And Jesus tells her. Because he loves her. He loves her brother. And so he tells her, your brother's going to rise again. And Martha says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Listen, I want, I want you to understand. What I'm going to give you is critical to understand. This is the critical thing that we need to grasp. The significance of this passage is that Martha is trusting in her theological understanding. She's trusting in her religious tradition. You see... Her belief is not incorrect. In other words, what she believes is correct. She says, I know that he's going to rise in the resurrection on the last day. That is a true statement. But it is an incomplete understanding. Jesus wants us to understand him. Jesus tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Now he says, as he asks her, does she believe? And she says, yes, Lord. Now look at this, verse 27. Look closely. It says, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. She gives a correct statement. She confesses that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God. Boy, that's what we use for a confession. How do we know I'm a Christian? Do you confess? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? He's the Christ. Do you believe that? She confesses this. She makes this confession. And then she says, Who is to come into the world? You know, that is theologically correct. He was, he is, he is to come. However, it's an incomplete understanding. 
because that scripture I quoted from Revelation, he was, he is, he is to come. She understands he, he is to come, but she missed the understanding. He is. Jesus said, I am. He is not saying, I will be the resurrection and the life. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus isn't going to come into the world in the future. The statement, who is to come, that is a future statement. Like Jesus is going to come later in the future. And that is theologically correct. Jesus is coming again in the future. However, that's incomplete because he wasn't coming in the future. He was right there, right now. He is the I am. I am the resurrection. The I am the resurrection is standing before her. The resurrection is standing before her. See, we need to get beyond our theological boxes, the religious spirit within us. Listen, the resurrection is not an event. We're getting ready to celebrate Easter. That's the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. And we go, oh, it's the day Jesus rose from the dead. And we want to celebrate that event. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. However, the resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is a person. The resurrection is a person named Jesus Christ. And it's in this moment that Jesus is looking at her and he's trying to get her to understand because she's broken. She feels like he died. You can't bring this back. And the I am is standing there. Her resurrection is standing before her. The life itself is standing before her. And what she's grieving at is death and hopelessness, but life is there. Jesus is able to bring life now, not just in some heavenly moment in the future. I'm not trying to do away with the theology of eschatology in the future. Those things are true. Martha's understanding was was correct her theology is correct but her understanding is incomplete sometimes we do that to god we as christians can look at things that we broke or that's ruined or sin has done things to and we nod and we go yes jesus can can heal this yes jesus can restore us and and we 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 go well in the by and by someday when we get to heaven it'll all be okay someday when we get there listen jesus is with us now The Holy Spirit has been given to us now so that we may live life and live it abundantly. Yes, we're going to live abundantly in the life to come, but he is speaking to us now. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of redemption. And God can redeem parts of our life. He is the resurrection. He is the life now And today, yes, today and always and forever and ever, but right now, God can redeem. God can do this in a now moment. All we have to do is reach out 
and believe. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that those who are listening who have had things that have been ruined and broken and smashed and they feel like they're hopeless, it's a hopeless situation, Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that your spirit would begin to touch their heart, that they would feel a quickening, a heat, the anointing of you that would begin to touch them, that, Father, your comfort and peace would come over them, Lord, that they would reach out and believe that the resurrection is standing there with them, that your arms are upon them. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would bring redemption and restoration, healing and deliverance into their lives, God, that you would change them as you did the Lazarus, as you said, Lazarus, come forth, and not a decomposed man, but a whole man came forth out of that grave. And God, like like Jesus said, remove those bonds from him, Lazarus. Lord, I pray that you would speak the word, that the bondage around our lives would let loose, and that we would no longer be bound by religious thinking, to think that it's just a someday thing, that you're just a someday God, that, Lord, you are a God of now and a God of today, and that you can move on our behalf. Lord, I thank you for this, God, and the amazing miracles you're going to produce in people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We ask you to check out our other podcasts, check out our other videos. You can check us out at our website, www wchristianimpact.net and until next time God bless